honor is something that uh, sometimes it seems like we don't get to see a lot of in our um, culture sometimes. But honor is a wonderful thing. And um, honor actually opens the door for revelation knowledge and for the supernatural. I know, um, I didn't intend to talk about Dad Hagen that much this morning, but um, we traveled with him for the last couple of years he was here on the earth, and um, I think it was about, mm, must have been about the year 2000, he went to a particular church uh, to speak, and he only had one meeting. Well, he didn't like short meetings. He really liked like multiple day meetings. His, I think his great preference was three-week meetings, and um, because... Uh, you know, you get to teaching on the Word of God. You ever been like, even when you're, you're studying yourself, you're studying the Word of God, you start to see stuff, and then, well, you've got a schedule, so then you have to go to work, or you have to make food, or you have to do this or that or whatever, and sometimes that kind of, you let it get away from you, and so I like to, I do my best to write stuff down. Uh, I use Evernote a lot, so that I don't let stuff get away from me, but uh, anyhow, he liked longer meetings, and um, he said many times, um, he would see, I remember one particular lady that he was teaching on faith and healing all week for two weeks. And this lady almost didn't come back the third week. And actually, they weren't supposed to have a three-week meeting. They were supposed to have a two-week meeting. But as he was praying, the Lord said, uh, I want you to extend the meeting a week. So he extended it. And she had terminal cancer. She received her healing the third week. And I remember, man, I wish you'd count up how many times he said this, just in the, you know, I was around him for five years, traveled with him full-time for the last two years, but just in the five years that I knew him, if he said, I've often wondered what would have happened if we didn't go on that third week. If he said it once, he said it 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. I mean, he said that so many times. So anyhow, he had gone to this particular church of a um, national and even internationally known minister that if I called his name in it, but know his name. But I'm not going to say his name because it's a good church, and it's just how they ended up doing it. But he came, and they, um, I think they had about an hour of praise and worship before he got up to speak. And then uh, he got up to speak, and he just did a short message. And some people were like, well, that wasn't all that impressive, you know. But they kind of like wore him out before and everything, and um, they didn't uh, honor maybe the way that they could have. So setting it up and different things like that. And, um, you know, we have guest ministers in, and we, and we will. I like to find out, like, what, what actual music do you like? What helps you? How do you prepare? Because, um, you know, so many times, even before, like, the prophet would prophesy in the Old Covenant, um, music had, had great involvement. So actually, when we traveled with Dad Hagen, we learned that... Uh, you ever went to any of the meetings, you have like three or four songs at the beginning of the service, and the three or four songs were really for the people to enter them into worship. And then there'd be one or two songs right before uh, Dad Hagen would get up to speak, and those were to inspire him. They were songs he liked. So if you watch some of the old videos, you'd be like, man, that is a really old song. Well, that's where he connected with. And so there's actually a twofold ministry that we have going on when you're talking about worship and leading people in worship. And, uh, you know, the first thing is you got to worship yourself. You have to enter in yourself. And then you want to bring the people with you. And then you want to honor the gifts of God that are supposed to be ministering so that the gifts show up. So, in other words, if you uh, are an expert 
in stocks and bonds and mutual funds, and I have mutual funds, and I want to invest in mutual funds, but I know nothing about it, uh, if I don't ask you, and if I don't give you time to speak, I won't learn about it. I won't be able to draw it out, so to speak. Well, how much more with spiritual things when we honor um, what the Lord has placed within people and upon people, we actually uh, give access for that gift to operate and to be in function. So we'll look at uh, churches and places and even our own lives sometimes and say, like, why don't I see, like, I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or the gifts of the Spirit or, as the Greek literally says, the workings of the Holy Spirit, things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Um, why don't we see these in the church at large today? Why isn't it so uh, present uh, or tangible or touchable? Like, why, why don't we see every, every week things happening? Why don't we see that? Well, that's because um, the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul, desire spiritual gifts, or the gifts there is italicized, it's added, so it's like spiritual workings or things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. So the reason uh, that we don't see more manifestation of these things in some quarters and even in our own lives is because of a lack of desire. And the reason that we don't have the desire is because we don't have understanding or knowledge. So the way to fix that in your life or the life of your church or a ministry you're associated with is you start teaching about the move of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit, and then it actually creates a hunger speaking this first. And so the best example I can give and I'm the pastor speaking this morning, so if this uh, hurts you, it hurts me more, because right before I got up, this, this example came up, and uh, so I thought I should give it, and I'm like, but I'm hungry. So the example is, you know, if you could think of like your favorite food or a food with this great aroma, um, my favorite food is not brownies, but I think of the aroma of brownies, how it can actually fill a house and fill a place, and all of a sudden, you were not hungry for brownies before. But now you have that aroma and that desire is stirred and you start to move towards that desire sometimes. Uh, you know, if you're on a diet, it's still the beginning of the year. Hopefully you resist that desire. <laughs> but you start to talk about things and the desire can be stirred. You know, and I know talking to um, or you start to see things, different things like that and um, helping different people uh, that are... Uh, single maybe, or uh, even maybe married people that have some issues, um, uh, not to be too blunt or whatever, but if you start to talk about sexual things, then you start to have a desire there. And so as you talk about things, you'll actually move in the direction of your desires. So that's why particularly young men, when I talk to them, I'm saying like, you know, what are you thinking on? If they have trouble with lust and those type of things, like what are you thinking? What are you filling your? What are you putting in front of your eyes? What are you hearing? Because that will actually cause you to go that direction. So when we talk about um, uh, the workings of the Holy Spirit, in other words, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the earth and in our daily lives. And the Holy Spirit is like the most humble being because He doesn't ever say His own thing. He only hear, says what He hears God say, what He hears Jesus say. So the voice of Jesus speaking to you and speaking to me actually comes via the Holy Spirit. He's the carrier of that voice, and he's the carrier of the presence of God and the glory of God and the equipment of God and the resources of God. So the Holy Spirit, um, sometimes people say, well, you know, why do people talk about the Holy Spirit so much? Well, um, he's going to show you the things of God. So they're like, well, I'm all about Jesus. Well, I'm all about Jesus too. 
but uh, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are actually one. And if you're going to receive from God and Jesus, you're going to receive via the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is actually the one, the Bible says, that recreates us on the inside, makes us brand new. He's the agent that is recreating us. So as we yield to the Spirit of God and as we find out about the workings of the Spirit of God, we can tap into those. And I even said, you know, we're talking like in church service, okay, well, everybody expects and would like to have a manifestation of the Holy Ghost in a church service. But um, Brother Hagin was in ministry for, I think it was 69 and three quarters years, something like that. It was like just short of 70 years um, that uh, he was in ministry. And he said, um, I had more manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit when I was not in the pulpit than when I was in the pulpit. And that reminds me of Jesus. Because I think of Jesus, he went from city to city and town to town. And all those miracles that we read about, I mean, a lot of them weren't when he was in the pulpit. It was when he was living his daily life. So we ought to expect the Spirit of God to lead us and to speak to us and to manifest. In other words, show up in our lives, in the natural realm, in our everyday life. So as we expect that, you'll actually start to see it come to pass. As we desire that, and as we look at the Word of God and see, oh, you know, I have, a what do you call it, religified? Is that a word? Can I say religified? <laughs> In other words, I have made this just a method, just a formula, just a pattern, when it is actually life. And all of us, to some extent, if we don't pay attention, we end up doing that so that it's just like, well, this is what I do. This is my routine. So um, you probably have heard me long enough to know, like, I don't like that. So I want to have fresh, real, uh, alive inspiration from God and a live, living relationship with God so that he speaks to me and I hear his voice and I don't follow a stranger's voice and I go with him. And, of course, the, the primary way uh, that we access that relationship with God is what? What's Hebrews 11 say? Like, I don't know, 25 times. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Faith is simply like believing that what God said is true and acting like it's true. Like, what are we going to do in this situation? We can't, this is too much for us. This situation is going to overtake us, overcome. What should we do? What should we do? Well, let's act like the Bible's true. Even if we don't feel like it, even if it doesn't seem like that will work, let's act like the Bible's true. Because acting like the Bible's true, acting on the Word of God actually gets us beyond our ability. So what happens is we receive so much input. I think I talked about it a little bit last week. If someone was born and they had no hearing and they had no vision, actually the only way they could relate to the world was through smell. Uh, doctors and scientists tell us, and touch, uh, scientists tell us that their brain would not develop like your brain or my brain has developed because they don't have those inputs. And so um, we are trained just by being here to respond with our five senses. Now, sometimes we say, like, you know, people say, like, uh, they used to say, I think, in the 80s a lot, like, just cut your head off. Like, spiritually, cut your head off. Don't use your head. Well, you know, we are a three-part being, and God has made us into a three-part being, and he wants his blessing and his anointing and his spirit upon every part of our three-part being. It's just that with our mind, uh, we have to renew our mind. James tells us that that is actually saving our soul. 
through the word of God. And then Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2, talks about being renewed. Um, the Greek says transformed. It's a metamorphosis, a complete change by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and prove what is the perfect will of God. So if you're looking in your life and you're like, Lord, is it, is it your will that I marry this person, that I take this job, that I move to this city, that I start this business venture, uh, you know, the number one thing to be involved with is the Word of God under the anointing of the Spirit of God. And now that can be through anointed teaching that you're listening to. That can be through anointed study of the Word of God. And then I'm going to like speak that word out if I'm studying and if I'm meditating it just myself. I'm going to be speaking it out. Let the revelation come. Let the revelation flow. And um, uh, you'll begin to see and know the direction that you're supposed to go. Actually, Psalms tells us that the word of God, the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So we're saying like, which way do I go? What should I do? Um, how much should I do with this? And how much should I do with this? And we all have finite amounts of time. Well, what's going to help you know and be able to see is the word of God. The word of God will light your path. It'll light your path. You know, the, one of the, our main scripture verses here is uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, which says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And uh, as I talked about last week, one of the commentaries, uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember which, which one it was, but one of the commentaries actually uh, reminded me that in the day when this was written, when they were inspired to write this, that there was no such thing as glass. So you might think, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, the reason it has to do with something is I can see into the hallway because there's glass there. Uh, my wife and I are looking at a house, and one of the rooms has like only like one or two windows, so there's not a lot of light that can come in. And so you think, like, can I add another window? I would like to have some more light. Well, when this was written, uh, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, or a lot of translations say the lamp of the Lord. There was no glass. So if you're going to go into a, a dwelling, into a house, uh, you have several different rooms, even in that day, even if it's made out of mud or dirt or however it's made. Um, and um, if you're in an area where you, it's not like <clears throat> some people go to Puerto Rico and like in, experience warm weather, but the rest of us are like where it's cold. So you want to have like your building, your house closed off so you can keep some warmth. So in order to see in the main room and then even the rooms as you go further back, uh, this commentary was talking about, that's what they were referring to. So like you want to go and you say, you know what, there's something in my bedroom. Can you go get it for me? You know, say I left my Bible in there. Can somebody go find my Bible? And my Bible, my personal study Bible is a black Bible. <laughs> that's not good when it's dark. So how are you going to see? You have to take a candle or some type of a torch or a, a lit you know, stick or something like that to go in there to see. Well, that is what our spirit is like. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of lead us. So our spirit is what God uses to enlighten us and to lead us and to guide us. I want to read a couple of, uh, a few maybe, translations of that verse. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. 
The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his inmost parts. The spirit of man is the fire of the Lord, which searches the secrets of the inward parts. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of, his, of the heart. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, which searches all hidden things of the bowels. Now, bowels is just like your most inward parts, you know, like I think of bowels, I think of like using the restroom, but bowels is like your, your innermost being, and of course, the Bible refers a lot to it that way, uh, your, your, your inward man. The breath of man is the lamp of Jehovah, searching all the inner parts of the heart. So God is going to lead us and enlighten us and guide us through our spirits. And one of the things I love about like the second half of that verse is like by our spirits, God helps us to identify the inmost recesses of who we are, the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. You ever read in the Bible where it says, like, you know, his heart was evil, is this, that, or whatever, and you're kind of, I'm kind of like, what in the world? Like, if you're born again, when you're a new creature, old things passed away, all things have become new. Well, God uses your spirit to help you identify, you know what, that's my emotions, that's my will, that's my flesh. He uses our spirit to do that, and he speaks to us through our spirit. So we find like, you know, um, I'll just touch on it. We'll get probably uh, in depth on it more in another message. But when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, against these things, there is no law. Those are the fruit of the born-again, recreated human spirit, not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit has those attributes because the recreated spirit comes from God. But even if you look at uh, Vine's uh, expository dictionary and you look up in Vine's, he says, you know, there's only one word in the New Testament for spirit. And you have to determine by the context which it is. And he said that uh, in his study that that is the human spirit, the born again, recreated human spirit. And then you have like the gifts of the spirit which come upon you and enable you for service. But when we have the recreated human spirit, that's why we have love on the inside of us. Romans 5.5 5 says, and the love of God has been uh, poured out or filled up in abundance in us. Uh, King James says, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, the love of God. Well, that comes out of our spirit. And love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's if you're born again, and I think everybody here is, put in our fruits of your recreated spirit. That's something that God put in you when he recreated you because he recreated you in Christ Jesus for good works. And so God's not unjust. When he recreates us, when he gives us equipment and tools, he does not say, you need to walk in love, but I'm not giving you the ability to do it. He actually gives us the ability to walk in love. So uh, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord or the lamp of the Lord or the light of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And one time I was meditating on that verse and I thought, you know, uh, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And you think of like the lamp of the Lord. Well, you know what we would all like is if a light as bright as the noonday sun and two feet of snow shone on our future. So we could see like from here to eternity, like what steps we're going to take. Well, that's called walking by sight. 
not walking by faith. So it doesn't say like that the spirit of man is the floodlight or sunlight of the Lord. It's the lamp of the Lord. When I think of a lamp, if I'm carrying a lamp or a lantern, I'm camping, you're not going to see forever. You're going to see just as far as you need to see so that you don't like stumble, that you don't fall, that uh, dangers that may be around you, you can see before they come. So the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, um, lighting up, uh, going into the inner parts of who we are and how we were made. Now, I know some of the greatest steps forward in my spiritual life have come not from head knowledge, but from revelation knowledge. And so, you know, in my head, I would say like, you know, I'm not, I don't have a problem in that area. But in my heart, the Holy Spirit reveals like, you know, you need to grow in this. You need to grow. And I know, uh, I'll tell it myself, when I was in um, at the church in Michigan, Pastor Mark uh, came to speak, and uh, I was doing some speaking uh, during the midweek service there, uh, not while he was there, but before, you know, several weeks. And I said to him, I said, you know, I said, there's a struggle I have, and I want to know if you can help me understand this. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, well, I said, I, I get really nervous when I have to speak. And he said, well, he's like, you know, you know, are, are you studying? Are you praying? I said, yeah, yeah. And um, he said, uh, well, you need to walk in love. And I thought, that is not what I was asking you. <laughs> Why are you telling me that? And um, he said, because uh, if you love, you're not looking to yourself. You're looking to other people. So if you get up in front of people and you're like all concerned, if you get super nervous, you're like, well, uh, are they going to look at me? Do I have my hair out of place? Like, do I have something in my nose? They're like, what if I don't say the right thing, do the right thing? And so at the moment, it was not, <laughs> what does that one say? The correction of the Lord is not pleasant at the moment, but it's necessary for growth. So at the moment, it wasn't pleasant, but I'm so thankful for it. Proverbs says, like, it's a fool that doesn't want to be corrected and doesn't want to learn and doesn't want to grow. So as much as it pains my flesh and, you know, you're like a self-centered pride, it's actually a good thing. And if you say it that way, you're like, please correct me, <laughs> right? But we don't, when we look at ourselves, uh, we don't see it that way. We, we see in other people. I remember Brother Hagin said, you know, the reason people have uh, so much trouble with the faults in other people and the reason that they pick them out is because they can see their faults. They can't see their own. So, you know, I thank God, and I, I love the songs we sang this morning about the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus, because the blood of Jesus is the one thing that can separate us from ourselves, our fleshly selves, our unborn-again selves, our unregenerate selves, you could say, ourselves apart from God. The blood of Jesus actually gives us access into the very presence of God, and the only way that human flesh can go into the presence of God is with blood and by blood. Because why? No matter how good or pretty your human flesh is, your human flesh is not good enough to go to God. That's why self-righteousness is such a lie from the pit of hell. Because self-righteousness will actually stop the blessings of God in your life. Because you're saying, I can do it myself. So, Talking about getting in the pulpit, my Lord, who wants to get in a pulpit and say, I can do it myself? <laughs> uh, because you might go away disappointed. No, 
Not just that. I mean, that's a small, small thing. The most important thing is that your lives are changed and my life is changed through the word of God that's spoken even through my mouth. That's one of the biggest things I learned actually becoming a senior pastor. Even in our preparatory meetings when we would prepare and I would give a short lesson, man, the things I speak affect my life as much or more than they affect your lives. So I would say something uh, uh, in the office in which I stand and man, if I would give heed to the thing that I said, I'd watch it come to pass, like almost like popcorn popping, boom, 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 because uh, I'm so cool. No, I'm standing in an office, and I'm speaking from that office and from that place, and as I honor that office and honor that place, it can function, even in my own life, let alone in your life. So um, when we come to the Lord the Holy Spirit uses our spirit to go to the inner recesses of who we are and to show us um, who we are. You know, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Bible says, the one work that he does uh, that might make you pretty uncomfortable is before you're born again, he convicts the world of sin because they believe not on me. That's Jesus. So they believe not on Jesus. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. But if you're ever feeling condemned, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ. For everybody? No. For those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So when we are condemned, it's actually our own spirit that's condemning us. It's not the Spirit of God or the devil that's trying to bring condemnation. So, uh, but 1 John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when you have that um, on the inside, this kind of like, oh, your spirit is like screaming like, I don't function this way. This isn't how you're going to experience life from me. This isn't how you're going to live a full life. Because um, if... Uh, you walk according to the flesh, you will die. That's what the Bible says. And so, like, somebody said, well, what do you mean? Like, I've walked in the flesh before. Have you walked in the flesh? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. I've walked in the flesh before. And uh, we live in the flesh, so we're going to, you know, be in the flesh. Um, same thing with Adam and Eve. If you eat of that tree, on that day, you will surely die. Not exactly the same thing, but same principle. So that's the day they were separated from God. Well, as soon as we start, stop walking by the Spirit, by our recreated Spirit, then we are going to be cut off from the life of God in those situations. Does that make sense? So, but if you're led by the Spirit, uh, there's no condemnation, and actually that Spirit brings life. And so, uh, you know, you can look at young people, especially those maybe college age, and the parents are kind of like, hey, Johnny, like, you know, Pay attention to this. Stay in the word of God. Get in a good church. Grow in your relationship because you can actually see like the lack of life that's in all of these other avenues that people are really searching for true life in uh, by gratifying maybe their fleshly desires or um, uh, intellectual stimulation. Uh, and don't understand me like, don't misunderstand me like uh, learning is actually of God. And growing is of God. What happens is uh, we put head knowledge above a heart knowledge, and that's where we get in trouble. Same thing is actually true with healing. Um, 
I think uh, most uh, the, the Lord, God in heaven, is actually happy with most doctors because they're on the same team. They're actually like, I'm here to bring healing. And they just do the best way they know how. But like King Asa in the Bible, he died because he didn't seek the Lord first. And so for us, in every area of our life, it's to seek the Lord first. But I've been around too long to not be able to tell you that you can go to a doctor and have the anointing of God on a doctor that can save someone's life. In fact... Uh, they used to have something called the City of Faith in Tulsa. And it was something that Oral Roberts started. And it was this, I don't know, it's a 52-story building and there's a complex and everything else that was these faith hospitals. So you'd go in these hospitals and they would be praying in other tongues. There was a guy and, you know, they, they had faith with the natural method of healing. And there was a guy, a doctor, that was getting ready to operate on somebody there and he was a brain surgeon. And he went into surgery and he opened up the guy's brain because he had a brain tumor. And when he opened up the brain, he began, he lifted his hand with a scalpel and he began to get ready to cut. And he said on the inside, the Holy Ghost said, stop. And he stopped and he said, don't cut there, cut here. And so he cut how the Holy Spirit showed him to cut, save the guy's life. And he saw after he was done removing everything that had he done that, he would have instantly killed the man. So uh, I say that just to say, like we're talking about being led by the Spirit of God, that doctor was led by the Spirit of God. And so what we want to do in every area of our life is to be led by the Spirit of God, right? So I want to like uh, exercise my faith and take every bit of money I have in all of my retirement accounts and all of my savings account and all of my checking account and give it all away. But I want to do it in faith because if I don't do it in faith, I may be like trying to find some money to feed my family, to pay my mortgage or my rent or whatever. So I may want to be somewhere that I'm not yet, but the Holy Spirit will always lead me every step of the way, the way I need to go in order to be where I need to be. So, um, you know, I think of the first temptation of Jesus when he was in the desert. It was like He's hungry. After 40 days, the spirit came to him and said, turn these stones, and the spirit, the devil came to him and said, turn these stones into bread. And I like how Patsy Caminetti says that. The first temptation of Jesus Christ was to do the supernatural or the miraculous apart from the leading of God's spirit. That's the first temptation. So uh, it's important for us to follow God's spirit in every area of our lives. If it was important for Jesus Christ, how much more important for us? And Jesus actually said, I only do what I hear my father say, and I only say what I hear him say. So Jesus was a man that is an example for us, for all men, that we are to humble ourselves and rely totally on the Lord so that we're not... Um, out sort of doing our own thing. I mean, I'm not, uh, if anybody's spent any time in ministry, you know that you don't like going ministry for yourself. At least you shouldn't. And if you do, you're going to find out real quick. You're going to hurt a lot of people and uh, maybe, you know, kind of ruin your own life because uh, this is not like a club. This is the kingdom of God. And um, uh, we are here to represent the creator of the universe and the king of kings and the Lord of lords and to bring him present in the life of people so that he can change them.
I can't change you. The Holy Spirit can change you. Brother Hagin used to say, I can't heal a gnat's eye or gnat's wing or a fly's a healer. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the healer, and uh, he works with the Holy Spirit. So as many as are led at Romans chapter 14, uh, excuse me, uh, I think it's 16, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So in this series, we're going to talk about how to be led by the Spirit of God. I've titled it Tuned In, and um, because we want to tune in to what God is saying. One of my favorite scriptures, again, I say like they're all my favorite, but yeah. one of the ones I focus a lot on, is that there's many voices in the world, and none of them lack significance. So you've got many inputs coming to you, and uh, what you give the most attention to, you're generally going to start moving that direction. So we want to give the most attention, like Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 21 says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from before your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them, and health to all of their flesh. So uh, my grandmother, I used to, uh, I was so blessed I got to live in the same town with both sets of grandparents, and I would spend the night at my grandparents, you know, I don't know, at least once a month in the summer, maybe more often than that. There were four of us boys, so we had to take turns. And, um, but my grandmother, uh, would, uh, talk about how she goes, uh, grocery trading and use all of these like old words. Like I'm like, grocery trading? What does that mean? Like shopping? You're going to go shopping? You're going to go shopping? And, um, um, so I, I learned Sometimes I like to have things like the old language because, like, the new language doesn't speak to me as much as the old language. Um, that's why you probably hear me read a decent amount out of the King James because sometimes at first it was, like, dark to me. and I, Not dark, but I just couldn't understand as much of it. And now I'm I like, I like how it says that. Like just, that just says a lot to me. Um, so Romans 8.16, the Spirit uh, itself, or really as the margin says, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amplified says the spirit himself thus des testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. The spirit himself, uh, 20th century, spirit himself unites with our spirit and bearing witness to our being God's children. Johnson, by uniting with our own spirit, the spirit confirms that we are God's children. The Spirit himself whispers deep inside us that we really are kids in the Father's family. The Spirit himself endorses our inward conviction. In that cry, the Spirit of God joins with our spirit in testifying. For the Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us. The Spirit himself thus assures our spirit. So we are made in the likeness and the image of God. We learn that in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses, I think, 26 and 27. And God is a spirit, uh, John chapter 4 tells us, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The part of you and the part of me that's like God is our spirit man, where we've been recreated on the inside. That's where we're in the likeness and the image of God. And then, uh, you know, the form that we have is also the form of God, but we're not, I'm not going to talk about that right now. So we're made in the likeness and the image of God, and... Um, 
that is the image of a spirit. So God's a spirit, so we don't contact a spirit with our minds. God's not a mind. He doesn't speak to your mind. God is not a body. He doesn't speak to your body. God is a spirit, and he speaks to your spirit. So man is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. So what we want to do is we want to isolate our spirit man. And in order that, to do that, we do what we did last week, which we talked about spirit, soul, and body a little bit. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 and 24 says, I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart, this is Paul, and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So I talked about the funeral I was just at, you know, uh, his name was Carl, and he's, he is doing just fine, let me tell you. Uh, he's experiencing stuff he's never experienced. He was a Norwegian, and he liked to fish, and he grew up on a fjord, a Tomer fjord. And uh, that fjord, his, great, or his grandfather named, changed his family name to match the name of that fjord. So I said to my friend, I said, I can just picture him up there right now on the crystal sea fishing. And I figure he might be just walking on the water, <laughs> fishing. But I'm hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and be with his Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, pay attention, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So Paul is actually not calling his flesh or his body him. He's calling it his flesh. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, 16 uh, through 521, I'll read a few excerpts here. Therefore, we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, See, he's talking about an outward man. There's an outward man and an inward man. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we're not looking at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So whatever you're looking at and whatever you're facing, whatever mountain is in front of you, that thing is temporary. That is not eternal. What's eternal is what we see in the spirit. And what the devil wants you to think is what's right in front of you is eternal. And that's the end and that's the fullness and you can't overcome it and it's too much for you. Well, you're right, devil. It is too much for me, but it's not too much for God and God's on my side because the blood's been applied. He takes care of my every need. And he actually said, Jesus said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be thrown or cast into the sea. Why did Jesus tell us to do something that we shouldn't do or we couldn't do? He wouldn't. He said, say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. So that mountain that's in our path is not there to remain. It's actually there to be moved. And what moves that mountain is our faith. Because the disciples said, look, Jesus, the tree that you spoke to, it's dried up from the roots. They didn't say like, look, there's a couple of leaves that are falling off. It's dried up from the roots. And Jesus said, oh, you know, if you look, if you became a God like me, then you could do the very same thing. No. He said three words, four words, I have to count. Have faith in God. Whosoever, anybody, anywhere shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. And the Holy Spirit said to Pastor Mark one time, if I'd added just two words to that, everybody would have it made. And those two words are in church. He shall ever have whatever he says in church. And then we'd all be like, woo! Uh, but it's where the rubber meets the road at home. 
What are we speaking? What are we saying? And it's not like to be the faith police or the word police and say like, you know, hey, what are you saying that for? You shouldn't say that. Everything that we do, we need to do in love. We, we learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Actually, you say like, these things that you do, if I speak in tongues or prophesy or talk about all this knowledge and revelation that I have and I'm very self-centered in it, does that mean that's not, that's not legitimate revelation or knowledge? No, that does not mean that that's not legitimate revelation and knowledge. It means to your account, it amounts to absolutely nothing. So that's why you'll see people, even you look at the great healing revival in the 40s and early 50s, and you see like that these people were mightily used of God. One of these guys was a drunk, and the Bible's very clear, you should not get drunk, right? So uh, the Spirit of God will abide with you for a period of time, but not forever. Uh, but the point is that we want to walk in love, because otherwise, all that stuff that we're doing amounts to absolutely nothing. And I'm not saying that this is that way, but it's, it's amazing. I think it's just a principle, so don't anybody get scared. But when you look in the Bible where people said, Lord, in the end, Lord, didn't we do miracles in your name? And didn't we prophesy in your name? And didn't we do this? And he says, actually, away from me, I never knew you. And I'm not saying that because uh, I don't have the full revelation of that. I need to understand it more. But what I am saying, it seems like a principle that we want to do things in love because otherwise they amount to absolutely nothing. And it seems like you're going to maybe get to heaven and if you did all the things like that, you'll get there and your works will be presented before the Lord and they'll be tested with fire and they'll burn up, but you're still to be saved in the day of judgment. So you'll be in heaven, eternity with the Lord. But all that stuff that you did, that you're saying like, you're thinking like, look at me, that was all the reward that you got was the, hey, look at me here now. And so we want to have full blessing and full reward. And really, the way that your faith works is by love. Reading, uh, faith works by love. In fact, the other day I was reading uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'll, I'll just end with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, great love uh, verses and... Um, uh, just tremendous, tremendous thing to meditate on. God is love. But it says, love is, uh, suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love uh, vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And I think you can look that and you can put the word faith in where love is and see such a great correlation. That when you are walking in faith and love, you are patient and kind, and that you're not envying, uh, that you're not talking about yourself, that you're not puffing up yourself. So why, why is that? Because in order for faith to operate, we have to receive from God. Well, how do we receive from God? We receive from God by getting out of the way and taking what he has. And if we are puffed up, if we are inflated with pride, that means I can do it, right? So I'm a man. There's a few other men here this morning. And, uh, uh, well, I can just speak for myself. I'm not put this off on anybody else. But sometimes you can, like, be moving furniture or doing this or whatever, and, like, I'll just do it myself. I'll just do it. You need help? No, I don't need any help. I'll just do it myself. And um, we get distracted by doing that, and sometimes that can translate over into your relationship with the Lord if you're not careful. And so what we want to do is we want to come humbly to the Lord in faith, 
And faith is just reaching out to God for what he has and taking it, saying, yeah, that's mine, I'll take that. Not because I'm so cool, but because of Jesus' blood. And because what Jesus' blood did, I know you, you purchased that for me. So that is now for me. So faith, faith will just uh, receive from God. You can't separate faith from uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is life and light and brings us understanding and revelation. And Father, we pray, uh, we just continue to pray that prayer that you inspired Paul to pray for the church at Ephesus, that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of each and every person's understanding that's under the sound of my voice would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power in and toward us who believe, as you showed and as you demonstrated when you raised Christ from the dead. Father, we thank you that that same power, your same spirit lives inside of us, has recreated us, and has come upon us. And Father, we thank you uh, for your word, that your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh. Every head bowed, every eye held closed. If you're here this morning, and, um, or you're listening, and you're not born again, or you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, and you'd like to be, just slip up your hand or send us an email at info at anchored. loves you. Uh, we'd love to pray with you. God will change your life. God loves you. He has an assignment for you. He has blessings for you. Uh, the devil is a liar, and he wants to keep you bound and keep you uh, held back from the truth of the word of God that will set you free. Jesus will remove every bondage and take away even the smell and the stain of sin, even the consciousness of sin. So if that's you this morning, just lift up your hand, or if you're listening, Send us an email, info at anchordc.org. We'd love to pray with you, get some good materials into your hand. Stand with me, if you will. Thank you for coming this morning. I'm just going to speak a little blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift his countenance to you and give you in a tangible way his peace. I pray in the name of Jesus and declare that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus in our bodies, that we are blessed financially because of the blood of Jesus. I declare according to Galatians 3.13 that we are not under the curse, but we're under the blessing, that we are born again, living for the Lord, in communion with God himself. That we're blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city and blessed in the country, blessed in our basket, blessed in our store, that our checking accounts are blessed, that our savings accounts are blessed, that our children are blessed, that our relationships are blessed, that we are well able to represent Jesus Christ, to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ in every sphere of influence that we have in the world. And Father, I thank you for each and every call that is represented here this morning. Father, I thank you that your spirit is greater and your anointing is greater than our weakness, that your spirit and your anointing is greater than our inabilities. So, Father, we cast ourselves and throw ourselves over on your goodness and over on your mercy, and we just latch onto you by faith so that you can do in our lives and in our families and in our places of uh, vocation what you want to do. Father, we thank you that your good and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.